we talk a lot about the experience economy, right? That's what people want. They want to have an experience. They don't really want stuff anymore. It's not that the live event isn't as exciting as it ever used to be. It is. It's just just like any other advancement in technology, live has gone through the same thing. You think about in the 20s when you know the artist was performing on the same level as the audience then you had the stage right then you had lights then you had moving lights and then in 1980 here comes the jumbotron right where actually the people in the nosebleeds can have a better experience because they can see better i think audience lighting is just the next generation of how the fans going to experience the show they're part of it <laughs> You're listening to Music Growth Talks, the podcast for musicpreneurs, with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, Andrew Apanov here, and you're listening to Music Growth Talks. This is episode 120, and uh, I'm trying something slightly different. This episode is uh, a bit shorter than usual, and... um, Instead of uh, talking about uh, the guest at the beginning of uh, the conversation, we get straight into the core product, uh, the thing that uh, my guest today is doing. And uh, I'm curious what you think. So I try to uh, make it a bit more actionable. Uh, Really curious to hear what you think. Let me know by replying to the email if you learn about this episode via my newsletter or leave a comment on SoundCloud, uh, Twitter, whatever you prefer. And I'm excited to have uh, Betsy McHugh as a guest on today's show. She's the founder and CEO of Hurdle. The company created a technology to improve uh, uh, a fan experience at uh, a live event. And the idea, roughly speaking, is that every attendee of a live event powered by Hurdle uh, gets uh, a special LED wearable, a wristband. Uh, and in order to activate the wristband, uh, they are asked to uh, text to a special uh, phone number, just, just send an SMS. And uh, a participant is asked several questions. So it takes like, I don't know, a minute to answer the questions and get the wristband activated. And then during the show, that wearable becomes uh, a part of the live experience. The lights on the wristband can be controlled by the people running the show. And uh, I won't reveal much more uh, here because you will get very specific examples of how it's been implemented uh, from Betsy. And uh, to be clear, I um, really think that this is a brilliant product. So I I do think that uh, it can uh, uh, empower uh, many of you out there and it works not only for uh, stadium level shows but for small club events as well as you alone. Uh, but I want you to listen to these episodes even if you are not exactly going to use the product right away uh, because I want you to start thinking about doing more with your live shows. The expectations of the people going to live music events has changed. This is something that we talk about with Betsy as well. And uh, uh, there is a number of uh, ways uh, you you can improve uh, 
the experience of uh, the attendee of your live show for free or for cheap. Just uh, start thinking about that. But do check out what uh, the team of Herald does. Uh, it seems that it's really to set it up. And uh, yeah, you, you'll, you'll learn more details at the end of these episodes about how to actually use the uh, this platform. Uh, note that currently it's only available in North America, but they are going to expand. But we'll talk about that as well. I am uh, wrapping my long-winded intro up and just want you to enjoy our conversation with Betsy. Thank you all for listening. And please don't forget to let me know what you think about the format. Betsy, welcome to Music Growth Talks. I'm uh, excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah, so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So as I mentioned to you before we uh, began the recording, uh, I'm thinking about trying something a bit different here with uh, the format um, uh, compared to what we've usually been doing. And what do you think about uh, just explaining to us how your platform works by giving an example of uh, maybe one of your most, you know, your favorite case studies? Sure. Uh, so one of the my most favorite events that we've done so far was with New Kids on the Block and Jenny McCarthy, and they had Jenny and or Jenny owns a uh, or started a, a really powerful charity called Generation Rescue, and it supports autism research. And so what we did for that event is we gave everybody an LED wearable, which we call a pixel both it turns everybody into a pixel of light in the audience, right? So everybody, as they came in the door, got our LED wearable pixel. It was branded with Generation Rescue on it. And everybody on there, they're prompted to text to activate the wearable. And so that wearable, each wearable that each fan gets is uniquely coded. So they receive the wearable as a thank you for coming. We have something special in store for you. And then they text the unique code on the wearable to our short code, and that starts a conversation with them. And I think it's really powerful that our system is all text-based as opposed to really trying to get people to download another mobile app, right? So, yeah. so the first step is they get the wearable, they, get the sh- they text the unique code to the short code. That creates an opt-in. So now all of a sudden you're identifying people who got to the event and starting a real conversation with them, just like you would text your friend, right? And then from there, we can ask any questions. We usually, we built a platform for the client to use how they want to use it. So in this case, one of the questions that they asked was, do you know anybody on the, on the autistic spectrum? Yeah. And what our system does is it pulls in all the answers to the SMS questions and translates them into groups that can be called as lighting cues from the lighting console that the band or team is already using. So our system plugs right into the existing lighting board. The fan answers the question, yes, I know somebody on the autistic spectrum. And then that becomes a signal that the lighting director can trigger. So this was particularly special because at one moment during the show, she said, you know, I want to know how many of you really know somebody on the autistic spectrum. That's what we're here, you know, raising money around. And it was incredible because at that very moment, everybody put their hands in the air and everybody who answered, yes, I know somebody on the autistic spectrum was lit up autism blue. 
which is their their brand color. And you, we, we attach the visual of knowing somebody on the autistic spectrum to the importance of the message that they were sending. And that was just such an incredibly powerful moment because you could see how so many people are, are affected, right? And then from there, immediately as they were leaving the show, after they had this incredible experience watching the band, being big fans, then we're able to send a, basically a call to action marketing message that says, thank you so much for coming. Would you like to donate to Generation Rescue? We raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so it was just really a powerful representation of what our platform can do. So, you know, the fan gets the pixel, they activate it, they engage in an SMS conversation, they become part of the experience. It's all attached to incredible moments and memories. And then from there, in this case, the charity and the band and the celebrity were able to continue the conversation with them and they used it to encourage additional donations yeah. to the charity that was so important to them. Powerful indeed, and uh, I'm sure it was beautiful when experienced life. I like it because there is lots of talk about VR, AR in, in, in the context of live music, uh, for example, live performances and shows. In a way, it's, it feels like it's about um, disconnecting a person from the actual life experience because it makes you uh, immerse in uh, a device of some sort. And what you're doing here is like enhancing the actual life experience because it's a wearable and of course there is a marketing component which is very important to all us marketers but and uh, i from what i i've read they have also been just uh, some well uh, dead mouse uh, as an just the idiom concept so no social aspect to it probably i really like the use case which you just mentioned but it just allowed to create a, a better visual experience because the wearable was also kind of functioning, you know, in sync with, with the music and with the light effects and so on, right? Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the power of it. It's, it's, it's just enhancing the way the fan experiences the show by bringing them into the production components, right? And that can happen in small clubs, right, where you're trying to figure out how to make your club show even more exciting without spending a ton of money on, you know, video screens and lighting and, and all that stuff that probably wouldn't even fit in the club, right? And then it can also extend to big stadiums or even arenas, you know, where you're just trying to get closer to each individual fan. So I really believe that's the next generation of the way the fan is going to experience the show is that they're actually going to be part of it, right? They're it's such an immersive social communal experience that it just, I think, you know, turning everybody into a pixel of light in the audience enhances all of that. But it also solves a really big problem, which is as you're building your career, I was just having this conversation the other day with a new group on big machine records. And, you know, their biggest challenges is they're playing two, 300 shows a year and they're going out there and working hard and, you know, performing and doing what they love and trying to connect with people, but they connect with people in kind of a disconnected way, right? They aren't able to follow up with them. And so what our technology is, is absolutely intended to do is cut through all the barriers, create a really special experience that allows for that continuing conversation with the fans 
And that can become social too, right? Because now all of a sudden you're not just identifying groups of people who want to engage with you online, but you're actually identifying the groups of people who are willing to come out to the shows. It's kind of a drop-off point in the industry, right? We work so hard to get people to the events, but then we stop at the point of actually knowing who actually showed up. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That's true. That's true. And you, you, you mentioned uh, maybe not uh, on this very conversation yet, but I've I've read that the uh, conversion rate has been quite high. So a lot of people who were giving the wearable, uh, the they were activating it, and it's not mandatory, right? So it's not like uh, the um, an attendee, uh, a person who came to a show, they don't feel like they're forced to activate it, right? That's right. So. That's what's been really spectacular over the past two years is, you know, we obviously built a system that we wanted to make sure there was as few barriers and the most encouragement to just join in all of it. But it was really important for us to understand how powerful inviting somebody into the experience was and getting them to activate. So we built a baseline number that said how many people are going to activate for the pure incentive that they just get to be a light in the audience, right? And we've done, we just did a show this past weekend at an amphitheater in Chicago with Lady Annabellum, Darius Rucker, Live Nation, and 70% of 15,000 people activated their wearable, right? So that, just to give some context for new artists, for example, if you're, or, or any artist really, it's, you know, you, if you just send an email after the show that to everybody that bought a ticket, you're actually only reaching about eight to 10% of the people that actually showed up. Because if you think about it, I buy a ticket for three people, right? You only have my information and you can only reach back out to me with a merchandise offer or, you know, donate to my charity or whatever it is. Right. And so what we're able to do, and further to that, email conversion rates to actually continue the conversation are really low because your email is so crowded. I don't know about you, but I delete probably 200 junk emails a day, right, that I don't even open, where on the text platform, you're not only identifying people however they got there, whatever the ticketing platform, whoever the promoter, it's meant to be a system that allows the artist to identify and talk to the people that actually show up directly. And then by doing it through SMS, what's really, what I think is so fun is that it feels like talking to your friends. You open an SMS when you get it. And we actually see that in our numbers. 99.4% of people are going to open the text message that you send them because they want to stay in touch with you. And there's lots of reasons for that. It's the people that are actually showing up. It's not the passive people just liking you on Facebook or whatever, right? They're, these are people that actually show up. And so it's creating a communication channel with your most important fans by actually making them part of, of your world and your experience in the show. Yeah, totally. Like I can I can see how that's happening. We've always been uh, highlighting the importance of uh, collecting contact information of any kind at live shows because... Uh, these are the most valuable emails and phone numbers you can get if uh, those people who at the show liked the show and uh, went as far as to actually leave their contact information. And usually it's quite difficult to provide enough of an incentive to get even an email address uh, oftentimes. Uh, then it used to be that you just put a guitar up at the merch stand and say sign up to win, exactly. right? Exactly, yes. You get a few emails, right? And so... 
you know, our whole thing is this power of technology that can actually solve this problem because those fans want to stay in touch with you too, right? And so they just, we just had to build the technology to help make it happen. <laughs> actually, I'm, I was, I'm also thinking maybe there is another shift in, in, in this whole thing. It's not uh, just um, that it's a very effective marketing channel, but for the fans, they... Don't you think that they may even be expecting to have a more interactive experience than uh, going on a live show 10 years ago? So maybe it's even giving people what they want in a way because uh, everyone is... Um, I don't think that just uh, seeing a band perform live is getting old. But with so much technology around us and everything being interactive, it's just that... Yeah. Fans want something to be a, a more to take an active part in a performance, for example. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, we you know we talk a lot about the experience economy, right? That's what people want. They want to have an experience. They don't really want stuff anymore, right? They want they want to have an experience that they can remember. And what I think you're absolutely right. It's not that the live event isn't as exciting as it ever used to be, it is. It's just just like any other, you know, advancement in technology, live has gone through the same thing. You think about in the 20s when, you know, the artist was performing on the same level as the audience. Then you had the stage, right? Then you had lights. Then you had moving lights. And then in 1980, here comes the jumbotron, right? Where actually the people in the nosebleeds can have a better experience because they can see better, right? Yeah. I think audience lighting is just the next generation of how the fans going to experience the show. They're part of it. Yeah, totally. And going back to to what you mentioned about uh, staying in touch, uh, I think it is important that you mentioned that because usually it's. Uh, we really need to uh, either have a very engaged fan base or convince the a rather cold email list or list of phone numbers to respond to a marketing message uh, if uh, you know unless we have been communicating with these people for a long time but uh, here i can expect that you know most of the first uh, messages sent to to everyone who uh, you know activated it is a live show especially if it's sent uh, soon after the event like next day or the same week I can expect uh, some great response rate as well. So not just um, the fact that a lot of people will open the message because it's text really effective, but also they may act on that. Um, and, and you do have some numbers to prove that, right? So uh, you, you mentioned yeah. some some increase in sales, but uh, yeah, any uh, numbers on the actual conversion rate in the range maybe? Yeah, so, so you mentioned Dead Mouse earlier. We did a Dead Mouse tour and what we sent out after what the manager and the artist wanted to send out after that event was a playlist that dead mouse had curated on Spotify to listen to on the way home. Right. And that's when you're seeing, you know, 30% of people click through to listen to that on the way home. Those are huge numbers. Right. Then when we, we just did a tour with a band called why don't we on Atlantic records, it was a theater tour. And what was really exciting about, this particular marketing component was three months after the tour was over, three months after the tour was over, we sent a merch offer and invited everybody who actually came to the tour to have first dibs on the new merchandise that they were rolling out. And 
that's, you know, again, same numbers. We did 99.4% click through and 30% of those people are converting into an actual purchase. And so they increase their, uh, per head by a dollar twenty a person just with the one text message yeah that really is powerful and uh, seems to be working well yeah so that that's uh, thanks for sharing that and uh, yeah it's a good point that we uh, for anyone who who wants to try anything like that even with sending out a message to people the uh, whose contact information they collected at the show don't just start with uh, selling necessarily so you may do some additional freebie for them or something like yeah. that so they increase the awareness first and engage people before starting to sell it may be different for different brands for uh for a list acts i can you know totally see them offering a new merch product right away and there will be hundreds and thousands of people who will want it but um, yeah just something to keep in mind for our listeners the funnel may look different for different kinds of projects. So you mentioned that it can be used in a small club just as it's a big venue. So is it uh, actually, how could it work for anyone running uh, a series of uh, electronic music events, for example, just a random example, how would, could they consider working with you or, or uh, how accessible is the technology at this point? Yeah, so one of the design parameters that I gave my co-founder Zach Shunk, who is our CTO, and and what the tech team built out is that it had to be plug and play, scalable for any size venue, and transportable so that it could be carried in a you know a, the the whole system could go into a carry on baggage that you could take on the plane with you if you wanted to, right? So that's kind of something, and that comes from my experience as a manager, right? Everything that we were thinking about and adding to anything that was going on the road or on tour, whatever size venue we were playing, we didn't want to take up another bunk. We didn't want to have to pay for another airplane ticket. We didn't want to have another hotel room, whatever it was, right? So the system was built and is completely transportable. Like I said, it fits in a carry-on case, and it's just two antennas and a small DMX interface that plugs either right into the existing lighting board that the tour is using, or it can even be controlled from a computer in a small club. And again, it was it was very important to me because my dream has always been that an artist can know and own their relationship with their fans from day one, perhaps even before they get signed to a record label if they even want to, yeah. right? So think about the Zach Brown band, right? They went up and down the I-81 corridor for five, six years building this fan base before they were signed to what was Live Nation Records and then Atlantic Records. And they came in with this fan base, but imagine if they had come in with a database of that fan base, right? We all measure success based on or have measured success based on how many YouTube views you get or how many fans you have on social media. But I think there's just such power for independent or unsigned acts, whether they want to be signed or not, in actually curating that list of those really, really valuable fans that are willing to come out to the show. So again, it was built in a way that would allow a club date or tour to take it on the road. Or the same, the very same system works 
exactly the same way in a stadium, right? So it's just two antennas, a DMX interface, and it plugs right into a computer or lighting board. And then you have the pixels themselves. Neat. Uh, even simpler than I imagined so, uh, from the sound of it. Uh, so you kind of rent it out. And I, I mentioned that uh, you've got uh, an existing workflow and system for making it work for anyone interested. So what's the best way to learn more? Uh, use a contact form of any sort or get in touch with you or let me know if you don't accept any uh, new interests, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which I don't think no, will be no, no, like... No. <laughs> so it's okay um, to send you some business your way, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, if you go to hurdle.com, H-U-R-D-L.com, there's a contact form there. You can always email me, Betsy at hurdle.com. And we have a great team that loves working with all size artists and venues and teams. And, you know, again, that's why we built this is at the end of the day, I believe that artists should be able to say thank you to everybody who came to the show on a personal level, right? Not just over the microphone, but actually say thank you for coming. Here's something special for you. Like you said, whether it's a discount on merchandise or just a freebie, like, hey, I curated this cool new playlist. Want to check it out, right? And so, you know, we very, very intentionally built this system to be accessible to all size events, period. Uh, is it available in the US only for right now? So right now it's only available in the US or North America, really. But we are obviously scaling towards... And the only difference is that we use a text platform, right? And so our short code uh, works for US, but it's just a software development on our technology roadmap in the very near future that come Q2 of next year, we'll be able to activate in any country. So imagine a WhatsApp to activate or a WeChat to activate or an SMS just with an international short code. So we're rolling all of that out in the spring of next year. Excellent. We'll keep an eye on that. Exciting technology, in my opinion. I really like what you're doing there. Anyone interested in learning more, you heard how to get in touch with Huddle. Yes. So that's all the good. We're linking to... Uh, to the websites, uh, uh, any relevant materials in the show notes for anyone listening to us as usual. And um, let's say I, I appreciate uh, all everything you've shared a lot, uh, really cool insights. Um, yeah, thank you for coming here and uh, telling us about how this exciting new technology works. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to talk to another marketer too, <laughs> tech and marketing lover. Absolutely, yes, <laughs> likewise. <laughs> so thank you a lot. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. You know what to do. Go to dotedmusic.com, uh, find a post about this very episode, uh, Music Growth Talks 120, MGT 120 with Metsima Check out the links uh, to the Herald website and uh, yeah, so just uh, feel free to contact them if you are interested in using this technology. and. Uh, if you get a minute, let me know what you think about um, a slightly changed format of this episode where I uh, essentially skipped the guest introduction part at the actual conversation and just kept it shorter overall. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out uh, if you prefer longer or shorter episodes. I've been sticking to like half an hour conversations since I've seen that it's performing better. 
uh, I can see that some uh, listeners of ours like longer conversations, so I can still be mixing it up. Just share your feedback. I'm doing this podcast for you. Uh, I really enjoy the process, but I want to adjust it for you guys. So please let me know anytime. And uh, to finish this very episode, I want to uh, uh, change the call to action a bit and I won't be talking about my Patreon page this time. I wanted to remind everyone listening to us that the main thing I'm doing is actually the music marketing agency Data Music and uh, still some of the listeners don't know about that somehow, which is really false of my own. If you are looking for uh, a partner to help you with uh, growing your music brand, uh, promoting your uh, upcoming music releases and uh, growing your fan base in the first place, uh, go to agency.datamusic.com and uh, scroll to the very bottom, uh, click on the form link, there will be a very simple questionnaire, just fill it out and someone from my team or myself will get back to you within a day or two and uh, we'll see if we can be of help. Thank you a lot for listening and till the next one. You've been listening to Music Growth Talks with Andrew Apanov. Find more episodes and subscribe at musicgrowthtalks.com.